This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is Season 2, Episode 98, Cub Hall of Fame voting. Don't forget to listen, download, and subscribe to the Fly the W podcast. Don't forget to leave those five-star reviews in this segment. Crawley has already started his winter reading, and so can you. And you might have guessed it's about the Cubs. <laughs> and here's author and poet Sandra Marchetti joining Crowley to talk about her new book, Isle 228, that Cub fans are sure to enjoy. Joining me now on the Fly the W podcast, I'm happy to have on my friend and author of this awesome book of poems, Isle 228, Sandra Marchetti. Sandra, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? As a loyal listener of Fly the W, I'm really happy to be here. Thanks so much for having me, Crawley. Well, I'm glad you're here. And first things first, Isle 228 with this beautiful cover. What made you think of entitling this book of poems, Isle 228? Oh, thank you so much. Yeah. So <laughs> back when um, the sections at Wrigley Field were called aisles, which wasn't too long ago, um, although things have changed now, um, my father and I shared season tickets with some of his work friends probably for about 20 years, um, maybe from the age of 10 for me to the age of 30 over an aisle 228, which are you know, their box seats behind first base, or they were at the time, and everything sort of shifted a little bit. But a lot of the book, pretty much most of it is written from the perspective of those seats. So there are a lot of games that are described in the book. And if you kind of think about the games that are described coming from that perspective of behind first base, that's sort of the thought process with the, uh, with the title. And, and I think why this book kind of struck me such a chord with me is that as you talked about, you know, this was from your perspective of going to games with your dad and, and you could, you can kind of feel your dad interweaved in all of the poems kind of going through there. And as someone who, you know, I went with a lot of games, my dad is still with us, but you know, he hasn't gone to a game in a few years since probably since COVID he's he moved up to Wisconsin and it's a little bit trickier now. But him and I had our section that we were in, aisle 306, you know what I mean? And, and yeah. just all the memories that you kind of make at Wrigley Field together. And, and especially when you're with your dad, you know, it, and whatever parent got you into baseball kind of creates a bond that's really special. For sure. And I, you know, I dedicated the book to my dad. I put in the dedication. He taught me the strike zone, you know, <laughs> which I think for so many of us, our dad did that. Um, I think, you know, for me, 
the experience of going with him is so unique because we can both really talk about the game. We can talk about strategy. I'll go with other people. And a lot of them are, you know, want to see the ballpark and want to walk around. And, you know, when I sit in the seats with my dad and we still go to games together, now we're in aisle 208. So, or section 208. So come find us on the opposite side of the ballpark. Um, you know, people will turn around and say, wow, you really know the game, you know, or they'll think that it's two guys sitting there talking, you know, and so he really brought me into the game. I think there, in some ways, my father maybe wanted a boy, um, <laughs> although he never complained about having a girl. And when I was a kid, you know, we would sit and like so many other kids, you know, I was an only child. We'd sit in the toy room, our, you know, den and watch the Cubs all the time. That was our main activity. We'd play with dolls and watch the Cubs. So, you know, my entire childhood, I, you know, I have those two to three hours a day with my father. And I think like just that ability to communicate uh, about that thing and have that, it almost is like a love language, you know, <laughs> it certainly bonds so many fans together, you know, and it bonds families together as well. So um, that's why he's such a big part of the book. Yeah. And, and, and you know, the, it's, it's funny because for me, like my dad is kind of the opposite personality of me. So he's much more calm and reserved <laughs> and quiet. So I, I, I needed him to get through a few of, you know, crazy games. He's the one who, all right, don't worry. We're going to come back. He was the one that kind of kept me grounded when, mm -hmm. when all of a sudden, you know, the Cubs all of a sudden just, you know, gave up a four run home run and gave up the lead. And I'm, what was mean and you know he was kind of always the pick me up and always the one that kind of said you know hey you know okay, let, let's you know and i swear to god when we went through that 2015 2016 run i don't even know how i didn't get a heart attack without him if it wasn't for him i probably would have had a heart attack oh absolutely absolutely <laughs> my father is very good at he's like almost has that scouts mentality that mm. he won't put you on he won't shine you on about a team if the cubs are really good though he will say it. And in 2016, I mean, he said they have a real shot this year and he's really right on with his predictions. It's, it's sort of a sensei thing. So <laughs> that helped me out a lot because I said, okay, maybe it really will happen. <laughs> well, I picked a couple of, of the poems that really kind of struck a chord with me and you agreed to read them. We were going to just talk yes. about them really quick here. And the first one that really kind of struck me was on page nine. It's called Praise. Why don't you give us a quick reading of Praise really quick here? Absolutely. So, so this poem, Praise, is from the first section of the book, which is, which is affectionately called Losers. Um, so that'll give you some context for this poem, Praise. Clutch the railing up the steps. Shuffle to your pew. Sing to a third if blessed. Whisper cathedral then profess. We pray, but witness awake most days. We slake ashes onto the track. A loudspeaker calls us back. The organ keys strike three, abide the Trinity. On Sunday, dressed our best, we crowd around the beaming green and rise as one, spirits the blue. Tell me, what do you do at church? All right. I'm, I'm going to tell you is that I am not a religious person. 
And so for me, like baseball has always kind of, I feel like filled that void where it was, to me, it was my cathedral. It was a place where belief is suspended and, and, and like, you know, baseball was something is very holy and sacred to me, obviously. And, and I'm not trying to belittle anyone or anybody's beliefs, but, but to me, Wrigley is my shrine. It is my temple. It is where I go. And, and it is where, where, you know, when 20, when we're talking about 2015 and 2016, I would go to Ernie's grave over at Graceland cemetery off of, uh, you know, Irving park and Clark, before every game and just talk to talk to Ernie and just saying, please buddy, kind of help us out here, you know? And so I think that's why this one really kind of struck a chord with me. Yeah, I appreciate that. And you know, you're not the first person who said that. Obviously I feel the same way. I think there's like an interesting thing from a writer's perspective, this idea of metaphor comparing right baseball to religion and the ballpark to a cathedral. But for us, for fans, it's more than a metaphor. It really is our lifestyle. It really is how we live. We live and die with this team. You know, we're there every single day, giving hours of our life to this, giving our anxiety, our energy to this. So, you know, I, I think that there's so much richness, especially we know with the Chicago Cubs, every line of this poem, there's really some sort of Easter egg for Cubs fans, you know, whether at, the the thing that inspired this poem in a real way was um, Steve Goodman's A Dying Cubs Fan's Last Request. So that is, you know, we all love Go Cubs Go, but I, that song really, it, it encapsulates so much of the Cub fan experience. And a lot of these little anecdotes I, I got from that from that song or from, you know, stories I've heard of things that have happened at Wrigley Field or things that happened after the World Series or whatever. Um, and just the idea of getting together as this sort of congregation, this crowd singing songs there's, and just seeing this thing that is otherworldly. It's, there's so many acts of faith, um, when we watch sports. So I just, there's a lot of richness there and I don't think it has to be a commentary on anyone else's religion, but just a way to sort of say like, look at these things and look how much they have in common and look how much they give to our lives. So, yeah. Well, you, you know, you know, before every game, they played that video clip of Bill Murray talking about his brother covering yes. his eyes and then walking him up the steps and then opening his eyes and seeing that field for the first time. And you know me, I, I, I when my kids were little, I was so excited. I, I took them and they were too little to even really remember their first games. But my nephew, he lives out in Colorado and he's a big cub fan, of course, family, um, and I did that with him. I literally, it was a couple of years ago. I took him to a game and did the same, put, you know, the hand over the eyes and let him see it for the first time. And it, it truly is a religious experience. Speaking about religious experiences, uh, on page 46, this is one that really, really got me in because I was there and that mm -hmm. it, it, you called this poem game three for the 2016 world series. And Oh boy. I, I remember it even, even though we're getting, you know, a few years away, you know, I, I still remember it like it was yesterday. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I would, so just kind of set the scene for this one. Unfortunately, I was not sitting, <laughs> was not sitting in aisle 228 for this poem, <laughs> but I was one of the rovers. I was outside and my father was inside. He got a ticket. 
Um, the poem kind of explains that, but I was outside roving around. I made a lot of friends that night on the streets, um, <laughs> but I'll read game three for the 2016 World Series. I kissed my father's cheek for good luck in the firehouse driveway. We were 27 outs away from a series lead when he entered through gate K. I took my seat on the Waveland curb and relayed Pat's play-by-play -play to guys in lawn chairs sucking booze through the scoreless game. Grandmothers perched as finches waited on my radios say. The intersection bled into the ballpark's glow. From the streets below, we held the diamond aloft on our exhales alone. All right. So you talk about little Easter eggs. And I guess for me, gate K is the one that we always go through. That's the gate for us to get into to our seats. And then when, when you mentioned the firehouse, um, before cell phones, if there's anyone old enough to remember, that's where we would meet people and tell people to meet up with us. Okay, right. well, let's right. meet at four o'clock at, at the fire hydrant in front of the firehouse, right? That was mm -hmm. it. Yep. And, you know, a lot of people did not make it inside for the World Series. And so I was at game three. My brother who I was talking about, he flew in from Colorado to catch game three. And I went with my dad to game five. But, you know, I saw the Rovers like you're talking about. Everybody and their brother just wanted to be in at Wrigley, whether they were in the ballpark or outside the ballpark. Yeah. And, and it was really a magical feeling that game didn't end like we wanted. I keep thinking if you were at the game, maybe it would have changed things, <laughs> but, but uh, yeah. you know, that was a, I, I think about the shutout. There was a, know. you know, Kyle Hendricks versus Josh Tomlinson. Yeah. And, and boy, you know, I re I was after that game was over, I was really nervous because I didn't think that John Lackey had much left in the tank and I was right. And then you're facing down three games to one. What did your dad say to you after that game? Was he was he okay? Because I was pretty devastated. <laughs> well, I was definitely the more devastated one, is what I'll say. Um, he he is the slow and steady type, you know. So I think uh, I don't want to reveal too much about his age, but you know he's in his seventies. So I think at that point he was just really happy to see a World Series game. I talked to him a lot. I remember the Solaire hit. I want to say we were wondering if Solaire could have gotten an inside the park home run or made it to third base on some, some hit to right field. Like I was listening on the radio, so I didn't get to see it, but there was a lot of debate about that. And my dad was like, I don't think he could have, or I don't think he could have scored or whatever. Um, and, you know, Hendricks pitched really well at home. That's, you know, what Joe wanted was for him to pitch at home and he did a great job. And, you know, I mean, it was a really tough, tight game. Um, so I think at, at the time we were just trying to figure out like, <laughs> how can we come back from this? You know, and obviously it took a miracle. We didn't think we were going to get down further. We didn't think we were going to all the way get down to three, one, but you know, <laughs> obviously all's, all's well that ends well. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, uh, for those of us that were there, that, that game three was just literally on your edge, chewing your fingernails yeah, down to the stubs. And, and obviously we know it ended good, but the third poem I had picked out was on page 50. And of course it's the address we all know and love 1060 West Addison. And, and there's a couple reasons why I like this one, but I'll let you read the poem. Okay. Sounds good. Crowley. Um, yes. Okay. So 1060 West Addison, I think 
anybody listening to this podcast probably knows that's the address of Wrigley Field, but in case you didn't, 1060 West Addison. Our childhoods hang like ghosts in the aisles, waiting on us to ascend the stairs, snatch and wear them. Little haunt, this was the first heartbreak we knew. We breathe the air and we are gone. All right. So, you know, it's funny because I think of, you know, I, I'm one of those guys that takes a lot of pictures and has a lot of pictures over many, many years. And people love the picture of me and my dad in the bleachers when I was like five years old. And I got pictures of me when I was a teenager at Wrigley Field's 75th anniversary. And then I was there for the 100th anniversary, there for my with my kids. Pictures, you know, there with my grandparents back in the day with my grandfather and my dad. You know, there when we think about the ghosts of Wrigley Field, the people that kind of, you know, that we remember, you know, whether it's whether it's somebody like Ron Santo or Ernie Banks, it's weird. I remember sometimes I'll just walk by a spot and I'm like, that's where I shook hands with Tommy Lasorda, you know, who's no longer with us. And and and, mm -hmm. and you know, Wrigley, like like it said in the movie Field of Dreams, baseball is the only, you know the constant in your life a lot of times, and mm -hmm. and that's where. I, you know, I think about myself now and, and I'm just like, oh my God, it's, you know, for, I see younger people out there now making their memories, maybe having their first beer at Wrigley Field or, you know, it's their first game and now they got these little certificates and stuff like that. But I think it really speaks to a lot of different Cub fans. Yeah. Well, I hope so. You know, I was a little bit nervous about putting this poem last in the book, but if you look at the cover of the book too, it's a night game. This is a beautiful photograph that Danny Rocket, our friend from the Sun Ranto uh, cast, um, took at a game, I believe it was in 2016. Um, but I wanted that like ghostly feel. You know, I even we talked about Steve Goodman gone way too soon. You know, mm. just, those ghosts are all around Wrigley Field. Um, and sometimes when you go to other ballparks too, but we can all feel it at Wrigley. And, you know, for me, I wanted to bring in that moment, like you were talking about before, uh, going up the stairs. Um, and as you know, I can feel it myself, like as a little girl going up the stairs, seeing the striking blue and green for the first time. And then all of a sudden you're a 30 something year old woman, you know, and it's like, where where can you find your childhood again? Like my childhood is at Wrigley Field. Every time I go there, I can feel like the whole history of my life and all these wonderful memories that I've had. It's sort of cliche, of course, but those are the things that are most important to us, right? You know, and it's funny, it's really ironic because we know with the Cubs, it's not always, the, you know, the most... Uh, what do I say? Mutual relationship. <laughs> like the team is terrible sometimes and we hate them. And we wonder why we spend so much time, you know, with them when they're just going to let us down. But there are some constants in our life. And for sure, this is one of them for me. So I like that idea of being able to go to Wrigley Field and try on my childhood self in a way whenever I go there, you know. What was it, Dorian Gray? The, the Dorian Gray's painting, you know, where where the yes. painting stages and, and yes, you know, yeah. I keep I keep thinking I'm still like every time I go to Wrigley Field, I feel like a kid, 
and, and the years are starting to catch up with me a little bit, but, but every time I go there and you can ask any of my friends, anyone, like the second I get within like a block and a half radius of Wrigley, all of a sudden I start walking really fast. People are like, Hey dude, are you going to walk with me or in front of me? And I'm like, Wrigley feels right there. Like, like it's the right. first time I'm ever right. going. It's, I still get that feeling. And so, you know, I, I think Cub fans will really enjoy this book, aisle 228. And it really, speaks to the heart of cub fans is it just you know like i said there's everything in there to kind of to connect you to the team and, and you really captured the spirit of wrigley and cub fandom brilliantly in this book oh thank you so much crawley i appreciate it where can our listeners pick up their own copy of aisle 228 228 there are so many options for you you can buy it anywhere online amazon barnes and noble all those sorts of places. You can buy it direct from the publisher at tamupress.com. Or you can find me on social media and I'm more than happy to sell you and send you a signed copy. And I, I need to sign your copy at some point, Crawley, hopefully this coming summer. I can Absolutely. I was going to bring it to Cubs caroling, but I'm like, that's just going to get ripped wet and lost. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I, uh, I felt the same way. I was like, maybe I should bring a couple books. No. <laughs> and where, Sandra, can they follow you on the socials? Yes. So on Twitter, Blue, Blue Sky and Facebook, I'm at Sandra Poetry, just my first name plus poetry. Um, and then on Instagram and threads, I'm at Sandra M, like my last name, Sandra M Poetry. So find me. I love connecting with Cubs fans. Um, that'd be great. Sandra Marchetti, author of the book, two, Aisle 228. Thank you for jumping on. Thank you.